Hi, and welcome to episode 34 of the Ask Mr. DNS podcast. I'm your co-host, Cricket Lou, along with Matt Larson. So how long has it been? <laughs> I guess Too we should, long. I, I guess we should probably stop introducing the podcasts with, how long has it been since our last podcast? <laughs> We're nothing if not predictable. Yes, that's quite true. That's quite true. But... We do actually have a couple of questions, and good questions at that. Yes. So shall we dip right into the mailbag? Yes, let's. All right. Well, uh, the first question is from a gentleman named Harry Stein. And Harry says that he recently did a TLD search on dnsstuff.com, and he happened to look up a domain of interest to him, which he calls some example. Um, and we should explain that dnsstuff.com is um, a website where they have a bunch of DNS query tools, and the TLD search in particular allows you to type in a string, and then it appends, I think, sort of almost all of the TLDs in the world to it to determine whether that string dot that TLD is taken by somebody. Right, Matt? Yeah, you're taking my answer, though. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to take That's the answer. Right. Um I just was going to explain what, what that did, because TLD search is not something that you can do with a standard DNS query, right? No, that's a good point. Yeah. And he says, uh, except I typed it in as someexample.com when I should have typed it as just some example, and the results showed him that three TLDs returned a CNAME record, in particular someexample.com.gs, someexample.com.vn, and someexample.com.be where uh, GS is the country code top-level domain for South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands. Dot, uh, VN is Vietnam, and dot BE is Belgium. And he says, uh, this made me think, suppose someexample.com.vn and the others are not presently registered but exist in name records in three TLDs shown above out of, say, 317 TLDs. In fact, I confirmed two of these were not registered, I did not check the third. I understand DNS poisoning and Dan Kaminsky's presentation of the vulnerabilities unpatched DNS servers are subject to, but this is different. I'm puzzled why someone would want to poison the TLD caches of these three servers. Perhaps these were intentionally populated by the DNS stuff test itself with short TTLs that were not honored and then showed up in the cache. Another possibility is those DNS servers were very busy and could not honor the TTL and so it remained in the cache. What, I, what I'm wondering is if there is some other type of spoofing going on that somehow perhaps depends on something or someone not noticing the .xx country code. Um, so my apologies if this question doesn't make too much sense. So I think we've got enough to, to give Harry an answer, right? We, we do, although it did, it did require that we both learn about the uh, TLD lookup tool on dnsstuff.com. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so before we started to record, and I have to say, you, you did, uh, well, we, we, both, we both speculated as to what the answer was, and we each got a piece of it uh, beforehand following the, uh, the Acme Razor, our, our, uh, <laughs> which is you sort of <laughs> think about something and figure out how it just sort of has to be based on your chain of thought, which of course is correct. Um, right. right. Anyway, so so Cricket, you guessed that um, that it was some sort of tool that looked up every TLD, and in fact, that's that's what it is. You you put in a 
a, a label, presumably a single label, in this uh, field on the dnsstuff.com main page, and then it proceeds to take a very long time, <laughs> and it, it does a DNS lookup of what you typed in every TLD. So, you know, if you typed, you know, let's say Dyn, D-Y-N, my increasingly less new employer, uh, you know, it would look up Dyn.com, Dyn.net, Dyn. AC for there is a dot AC. What's I, I, if I'm going to use TLD CCTLD examples? I should at least know what they are. <laughs> you, you, know, you you get the idea. Dine dot UK, Dine dot US, and so on. Um, and so then it shows you all those results after it's after it's done all those lookups. And um, so I, I wondered aloud as we were talking about this, but before actually testing if it was maybe a wild card, and in, and indeed it is. Uh, so I think what what happened was uh, Harry, rather than typing in, you know, something like just Dine, uh, he typed in like Dine.com. So he typed in a domain name with a .com. So he was looking up, or DNS stuff on his behalf was looking up, you know, Dine.com.com and Dine.com.us and, and so on. And it happens that he hit wildcards at uh, various level or another in at least three of those TLDs. Right, right. And we discovered that... Um, in in two cases, the wildcards were actually star.com.toplevel domain. In one case, it was just star.toplevel domain. I think Vietnam was the one that actually had a wildcard immediately below VN, right? Yeah, and I'm a, I'm a little surprised. Um, I guess we'd have to dig, dig into it some more. But uh, last time I looked, you know, th- there are several TLDs, more than just Vietnam, that have wildcard A records at uh, at their apex. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why didn't those match? Is, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't... So I, I think that part of the answer to Harry's question is it's not cash poisoning at all. It's just a wildcard record that's in the uh, in the zone. And, and in fact, we, we could have pretty much told you that it wasn't cash poisoning because in most cases, the authoritative name servers for a top-level zone are non-recursive, right? So they right. don't, they don't, have, they don't have caches <laughs> to poison at all. And uh, one thing that um, Harry said that was kind of interesting was, you know, could a server be so busy that it, uh, you know, didn't honor the TTL and kept stuff in its cache? That, that's an interesting idea, but I'm not aware of any recursive server that, you know, does have a cache that, that works that way. Mm, one that might take out like LRU, least recently used resource records or something because it was really busy. Oh wait, maybe I'm reading this. Maybe I'm reading his uh, idea backwards. Uh, oh, I am reading it backwards. I was thinking of a server that like got so busy, it's like oh I can't afford to do cache management right now, so I'm just not going to expire stuff. But I think he's proposing the other way around, which is. I'm so busy I don't have enough memory I'm going to start throwing out stuff sooner. Yeah. Right? Or am I I, yeah. I don't I don't know. It wasn't clear to me exactly what he meant by that honestly because you know, it doesn't <clears throat> either way it doesn't really make sense that the thing would sit in the cache of a an authoritative only name server, the non-existent cache of an authoritative only name server. Yeah. I was just thinking from a just from a cache management perspective it was sort of an interesting thing to to think about because that's not the way uh, recursive servers that I'm familiar with work, but you know it certainly is possible to um, throw stuff away sooner. You know the, the thing you can't do, or at least you know anybody can do anything on on the internet. But the thing you're not supposed to do is keep 
uh, data longer than the TTL, but there's nothing that says you can't keep it for a shorter time. That's right. That's right. All right. I think we beat that to the ground as usual. <laughs> Very good. Um, let's go on to another one. Um, this is from Kirk Davis uh, from the Great White North from uh, from Canada. You know, I heard uh, I, Rick Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. You know, you know Rick Moranis. Of course, he's he sort of he was in uh, semi retirement, and he's kind of come out of retirement. And I heard him uh, heard him interviewed, which was kind of fun because he's been like. Just he basically disappeared for like, how long was it? Fifteen years, maybe. Gosh, yeah, yeah. And of course, I'm talking about. Sorry, that was like sounds like quite a non sequitur, and I guess it really is. <laughs> but, but I'm thinking, of course, of uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, the characters. Yep. Uh, from, from you know originally from SCTV, and then they made the movie uh, 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 Strange Brew. Yep. So it's Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, but not the Wendy's Dave Thomas, another Dave Thomas. <laughs> and, and you know what was interesting to, to like totally take us off, to, to like not only I'm embracing the tangent that I've taken us on. <laughs> uh, Won't be the first time. No. So one of the things he said in the interview that I thought was really uh, ironic and funny was that um, they had to, uh, according to some Canadian broadcast laws, they had to have a certain amount of like actual Canadian themed or Canadian directed content on that show. Oh. I guess somehow because of the funding or something, I forget the details. And so they thought that was so stupid. They thought, let's do the most over the top stereotypical thing we can think of. And that ended up being the Bob and Doug McKenzie sketch, these, you know, pretending to be these these yokels who said A and and, and wore stocking caps and and, and and the irony is that of all the things that SCTV did, that was the one that by far was the most successful. Yeah, yeah. I believe the stocking caps were toques, were they not? Toques. Yes. That's right. All right. Anyway, pulling us back. So so Kirk Davis from from Canada, uh, he, he asks us, uh, he says, some recent changes in the way Google is now handling their searches and Google Apps is causing issues in our organization. Uh, our content filters can no longer filter Google content because of the switch to SSL. Hmm. Uh, he says normally he'd applaud any organization for trying to add more security, but in this case he needs to be able to switch back to non-SSL because of the filtering products that he's doing. Um, so he, he does say, I didn't, didn't um, read it from his signature, but he's actually uh, looks like he works for the IT department of a uh, uh, the Edmonton Public Schools. So that that's understandable that you know they want to be filtering content to make sure kids don't you know see things they shouldn't see in theory. So he says Google does <coughs> offer an official way to do this. They would like you to add a record into your DNS to redirect www.google.com to a C name called nosearch.google.com, and then he gives a reference to a. Uh, an, an article on Google's website. And he basically, he says, I, it doesn't look like there's any way to do this based on the, the Bind version 9 he's running. And he says, uh, he said, I would have to become authoritative for Google.com or www.google.com and set up his own, right? Or he says, or I could poison my own name server. And, and so his basic question is, how would he even follow the advice that Google gives, which is basically to intercept www.google.com on your own? which is sort of odd advice for Google to be giving somebody. 
Yeah, it, it is odd that they'd ask you to intercept Google.com. I'm not sure exactly um, what they hope to achieve by that, because if you set up a local copy of Google.com on your uh, recursive name server, presumably you wouldn't be able to populate it with all the stuff that the real Google.com has, right? You wouldn't have... Uh, you know, maps.google.com's IP addresses, and you wouldn't have, you know, all kinds of other stuff that Google offers. So that part of it seems like a, a pretty bad idea. Um, you could, of course, create a zone that um, was was just www.google.com, which is, I think, what, uh, you know, what Kirk was, was suggested. Um, but that's also not a good idea because if you create a zone that's just www.google.com, obviously that doesn't appear, interfere with um, maps.google.com or other domain names in the real google.com zone. But once you do that, you can't create a CNAME uh, for www.google.com because it's the apex of the zone, right? And it already owns an SOA record and presumably one or more NS records. So that really doesn't work, right, Matt? Right. Right, so I don't quite know what they were thinking. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. I don't either. And and you know, I pointed that out to Kirk. I responded to him right away via email. Um, but the one thing I could think of that he could do with a newer version of a bind name server would be to uh, to use something called a response policy zone. Um, a response policy zone basically is is a set of rules that are encoded in funny-looking resource records. Um, they look like things like CNAMES to DOT and CNAMES to STAR DOT. Um, but basically, these rules say, you know, if your recursive name server uh, sees a query for, um, say, the address of a certain resource record, it could simply replace that with a different query. It could synthesize a CNAME record um, to a different domain name and respond with that. So it seemed to me that response policy zones gave Kirk the flexibility that he needed in order to deal with this particular problem. Yeah, that's that's awfully arcane, though. Um, can you stack up multiple uh, RPZs if you need? Like if he were already using an RPZ for something else for whatever reason, do you know? Can you can you have um, can you have more than one? Yeah, you sure can. Um, so what he'd probably do is he'd probably have a local RPZ. And since it's just a zone, that just means like a primary zone that's used as a, a response policy zone. And you can put all your local policy into that. At the same time, you might have um, what I refer to as an RPZ feed, which is just a secondary RPZ uh, zone. RPZ zone is a little like saying ATM machine or pin number, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just a uh, a secondary RPZ that you're pulling from somebody out on the internet, maybe because they're feeding you um, domain names and IP addresses of of uh, malicious uh, sites on the internet, or you know, malware, command and control servers, that kind of thing. Yeah, it's it, this is sort of like the um, more complicated successor to uh, DNS RBLs to blacklists. Yeah, that it, that's actually that's actually a, a good analogy. Um, the big deal about uh, the big difference is that RBLs had to be consumed by something else besides the name server, right? Like a mail server would use an RBL. All the data was stored in a DNS zone, and it was interpreted by the mail server to mean, for example, you know, this is a mail server that you don't want to talk to because it emits a lot of spam. But um, 
RPZs are actually consumed by the name server itself. The name server itself says, I will or won't resolve this domain name, or I will or won't return this IP address uh, based on these rules that are contained within this zone. Right, like you can use RPZ to transmute a particular answer into NX domain. So like it would stop you from going to a particular site. Like if you were subscribed to a, an RPZ that had sites, let's say hosting malware, you could simply stop uh, users of your recursive server from going there by refusing to give them answers. And so just return them NX domain, for example. Yeah, yeah. You, so you can do that. You've also got the flexibility to say, you know, if somebody looks up the address for this domain name, don't return the right IP address, return this other IP address, or, um, you know, return no data, or, you know, synthesize a C name to this other domain name entirely. So I think that gives Kirk the flexibility he needs, but I don't, I don't know. He'll have to determine whether the, the price of implementing it is too high. <laughs> yeah, I, I cannot think of another way to do this. I really can't. The catch, as you say, is you can't have a C name at the apex of a zone. And as soon as you would try to start messing with the parent zone, Google.com, you know, on your own server, then you take responsibility for Google.com, which doesn't work, as you said, because there's all kinds of stuff in there you don't know. So I, I don't get it. I don't know how you would do it other than RPZ. And that's a pretty, that's pretty arcane. That's really opening up the hood and taking the engine apart. Yeah, yeah. I mean, RPZ is getting more popular, and it's used by more and more organizations to sort of feed um, data about malware and things like that. But it's it's not, you know, it's not used extensively. And you do have to be running one of the very latest versions of Bind, I think nine point eight or nine point nine, um, in order in order to take advantage of it. Either that, or you have to patch it yourself. Um, there are patches available from uh, Paul Vixie's website, RedBarn.org, um, that you can use to patch them. I mean, that's, that's for uh, a pretty competent DIYer, I would say. All right. I think that's the answer to that one. Yeah. Well, how do you like that? I think that's a solid podcast. I would say that it's uh, commute length, but I, my commute at this point is either extremely short, like down to my home office, or extremely long from Maryland to New Hampshire. Yeah, I was going to ask how things were going, but uh, I guess you're, you're up in New Hampshire now. I'm in New Hampshire now, yeah. Did you see the tweet I made uh, the other day about the record time I set getting from place to place? No, I didn't. How long did it take you? So from my front door in Bethesda, Maryland, to the front door of my apartment in Manchester, New Hampshire, three hours exactly. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, I don't think I can cut it much closer than that. That was, um, everything just sort of happened right right at the appropriate time. You know, I parked and there was a bus right there to take me to the terminal. There was no line whatsoever at security because it was a Sunday night flight. I walked up to the gate. They were boarding. I sat in the second row. This is Southwest, so you can you know, sit where you want. So I, I ruined somebody's day by asking for the middle seat. These two folks thought that they were, you know, they were golden. They had nobody in between them, but then I, <laughs> then I sat there. So I was the first one off the plane and grabbed a taxi, and there I was. So You had a record to set, so they should have understood. Yeah, I think I, think I need to just be satisfied with three hours and stop. I think, I think only 
only pain and suffering will come from trying to cut that closer. Yeah, and disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, three hours is pretty darn good. It, it can take three hours here to get up to San Francisco. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think we should sign off. We should, indeed. So thanks, everyone, as usual, for listening. And uh, we do answer your questions. We love to get your questions. It's actually kind of exciting when questions come in. It, it gives us an incentive to record episodes. So if you want to, I guess, if you don't want to keep hearing episodes, don't send in questions. But we certainly <laughs> would like it if you would send in questions to uh, MrDNS at ask-MrDNS.com. And we look forward to hearing from you and answering your questions. So until, ne- until next time, thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.